been for a number of years. He's been on staff in the district office. He's, uh, he's like the czar of all things kingdom advancement for the district office. It's actually a title, the czar. <laughs> this guy is awesome. He just runs around with his hair on fire for Jesus all over um, Ohio and half of Ohio and West Virginia. So um, you're really going to like this morning, trust me. <laughs> wow. Now I'm set up. <laughs> uh, Jesus, help us to hear you, not me. Um, you're the one that's awesome. In your name I pray. Amen. So Scott called up a couple weeks ago and said, hey, why don't you come tell some stories? Tell stories? Yeah, just, just come tell stories. Uh, let, let's hear what Jesus is doing. And so, okay, I'll come tell stories. I like to tell stories. So what I want to do this morning is I want to tell you one of Jesus's stories from the New Testament, and then we're going to spend some time telling some of Jesus's stories from today. And so the, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 13 in uh, verse 33. And we're actually just going to look at one verse, one story that Jesus tells uh, and it's a story that I have to admit to you has captured my attention for a number of years. Uh, and it just seems like the Lord constantly is giving me a new insight on this thing. And at some point I'll have to come back and tell this story to a greater degree because we don't have a ton of time for this one particular story uh, today. But in the story, Jesus uh, is standing in front of a group of people and he says, let me tell you a story. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour. I think that's the first time I've ever read that version, but 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now, I got to be honest with you. I've read through the Bible a number of times, and when I'd run across this quick little story, one verse, it was kind of one of those that I scratched my head and went... I think Jesus is trying to say something pretty important here, but I got no clue what he's saying. I mean, yeast, uh, I don't know, that's that packet of stuff that you rip open and put in pizza dough, right? And it blows up and it makes the house smell like whatever that smell is. Uh, and, and, and that's yeast. Uh, but, but what does that mean? How does that work? And, and I wrestled with it. I I read a, a number of people and their interpretations of it and just kind of walked away going, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's what Jesus is saying right there. Uh, and so uh, as I was wrestling with this uh, a number of years ago, the Lord said, listen, uh, I'm going I'm to show you this parable and give you a way of thinking about this. I'm, I'm a little bit more of a visual kind of person. And so uh, I'm going to tell you the parable, and then I'm going to show you the parable, and then we're going to talk about the parable here. Now, uh, so the story is this. Uh, the kingdom of God is like pixie dust that a little boy took and poured into, not 60 pounds of water, but about eight ounces of water. Okay? I got to drink this or it's going to create a mess. So just one second. So I literally uh, was thinking about this on a car ride, uh, and one of my boys uh, was in the back seat, and uh, I turned around and watched this happen, and Jesus said, that's the parable you've been trying to figure out. Pay attention. 
So watch what happens. The kingdom of heaven is like a little boy, is like pixie dust that a little boy took and mixed into a bottle of water. What happened? Here, here's, the, here's the fun thing, just before we talk to each other. Jesus was always good at this, right? He would tell a story, then he'd drop the mic and say, all right, y'all figure it out. And, and it, it really probably is worth us just stopping right now and us packing it up and going home and giving you something to think about for the next week or the rest of your life. But let, let's talk for just a moment. What happened here? That was where you talked to me. It changed color. Okay, what else happened here? All right, it got filtrated in. What else? The flavor has changed. This has literally been transformed. Now, there might be a mad scientist in here that could figure out how to take what just happened here and separate it all back out so that we end up with a clear bottle of water and the pixie dust inside the plastic. But I'm, I'm kind of thinking that this thing has forever been transformed. Okay? The molecules have done something that I can't explain, but it has gone like this, and it has transformed this bottle of water. Now, the idea here that Jesus is getting across is pretty simple, and it's this idea. Where the kingdom of God shows up, things are forever transformed. Things change. When the king and his kingdom show up, things change. Now, I believe that story. I, I, I trust that story. I've thought about that story. And I've seen that story take place in a number of ways. I want to give you a couple of stories that just confirm that when the king and his kingdom show up, things change. So a number of weeks ago, it was back in the beginning of March, uh, I was in Peru, South America. I get the chance to work with an organization down there that's getting after the 300 million youth of Latin America with the love of Jesus Christ. And every couple of years, we bring all of the workers for an organization called Inkalink together, and we do this retreat. And it so happens that uh, this year's retreat was in the city where Inkalink began, Trujillo, Peru. And in 2004, uh, there were some alliance uh, missionaries that were living there. And uh, in Trujillo, there's, you know, it's a, I wouldn't call it a, it's not a, uh, it's not a completely third world country area, but it's, it's pretty, pretty beat up. There's some modern things that you'd recognize and those kind of things. Uh, but uh, these missionaries working in this church would regularly take people from their church and they would go to the garbage dump. Now, let me paint a picture for you. In Peru, the way a garbage dump works, or at least in Trujillo, the way the garbage dump works, is they found a, a, a large depression in the land, a, a sort of a valley, and it just became the place where everybody came and threw their garbage, okay? Uh, you, you came and you, 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 anything and everything got thrown in there. And then it got to the place where uh, trucks would back their garbage up and dump their garbage into this valley. And, and it just, it, it piled up for forever and it went 
visually for forever. I remember seeing pictures uh, of uh, these missionaries and their work there. And, and the, the garbage dump uh, was literally on fire most of the time. You know, the spontaneous combustion uh, was, you know, so there were little fires just everywhere uh, throughout the garbage dump. And, uh, you know, cloud of smoke billowing out of the garbage dump on a consistent basis. And then the crazy thing about it was throughout the garbage dump, there were little shacks and shanties and lean-tos everywhere. And people literally lived on the garbage dump. It was the only place they could find food. It was the only place they could potentially find something that was worth picking up and somehow redeeming for some kind of monetary something to be able to buy something else. And so this missionary couple and the church would regularly go there and they would do things with the children in the garbage dump, um, trying to expose them to the love and truth of Jesus. And they tell this very specific story of the day they were in the garbage dump uh, and a little boy walks out of his little lean-to thing that his family was in and was watching what was going on and then walked over and picked up uh, an apple or at least what was left of an apple, what had been already rotted. And with the biggest smile on his face, he began to eat that apple because that was the only thing he might get for that day. And it was at that moment that that missionary couple said, something's got to change. We, we can't just keep... Can't just keep bringing people to the church, to the garbage dump. Something's got to change. And so with that, they found a plot of property just outside the garbage dump. They bought the plot of property and they put up one of the first sort of buildings in the entire area of the city right there in that, right outside that garbage dump. And they just began to, to minister to the kids and to the families. They were providing food. They were providing some sense of education. And, and God was, was blessing that ministry that was just outside the garbage dump. And so I, I've been hearing about this garbage dump since 2004. Uh, in fact, uh, back in, uh, I don't know, it would have been the, somewhere in the 2000s when my kids were in youth ministry here, uh, this church took a group of kids uh, to that city. Uh, and uh, so this was my first time to ever be in that particular city. And I said, I want to see that garbage dump. I, I want to go to the place where this whole thing started. And they said, you will not believe the transformation that has taken place in a matter of, at, at that point, about the last eight years. So we got in a car and we drove there. And unbelievably, the entire garbage, not the entire garbage dump, that's not, that's not correct. The vast majority of the garbage dump, the garbage dump has officially been closed by the city. And there is now a neighborhood that has been built on the garbage dump. There are now businesses that exist in the garbage dump. There are schools that now exist in what was once the garbage dump. Uh, there are now roads that are right through 
what was once the garbage dump. There are public utilities running through what was once the garbage dump. There are little kids, first generation ever, who are now attending college from the garbage dump. And that neighborhood, that community all says it's because those people came to the garbage dump. Well, those people were kingdom people. And they brought the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And through them, Jesus showed up at the edge of that garbage dump and literally transformed the entire place. Here's the point of the story. Where the king and the kingdom show up, things change. So, let's bring it a little closer to home. Uh, in fact, we'll, we'll step into our own backyard here for a moment, uh, into a sister church here in Wadsworth in the Christian and Missionary Alliance, a church called Really Recovered. It's a group of, of uh, addicts who have said, we are going to uh, plant churches with addicts for addicts. All kinds of addictions. They focus on all kinds of addictions. Primarily, a whole lot of them come out of a pretty beat up, difficult drug addiction culture. But there's all kinds of addicts involved in it. And the thing they have gravitated towards and understood is the power of mixing into a culture in order to see the transformation of that culture, those lives within that cu culture. And so it was uh, a guy named Ken Hawkins who 27 years lived on the streets of Akron, Ohio, uh, lived homelessly for a vast majority of those years, was part of a, a church when he was a kid, uh, got himself into a little bit of trouble. The church said, we don't want that kind here. And he walked out of the doors and never returned. And from there, his life spiraled into a complete disaster. He's got more felonies than probably everybody else put together in this room. Uh, it's just a crazy story of how for 27 years, he got deeper and deeper and deeper into the drug culture. He's held his wife literally in his arms dead twice and had to Narcan her back to life. Uh, and it, it, a couple of years ago, in a living room, the king showed up and literally transformed his life overnight. And the king has continued to be about bringing transformation to a whole group of people uh, that are around really recovered. Uh, since January of this year, they've already baptized 20 people. Now, in really recovered, when you baptize somebody, like, that's a really crazy moment. Because they say, listen, when somebody comes to Jesus, they say, listen, the next thing you have to do is you have to display your complete surrender. And that means you need to get, they call it getting dunked. You got to get dunked. Okay? And so they have seen 20 people who have just said, all right, I give up. I, I got nothing left. I surrender my life to Jesus. And they're baptized, they've baptized 20 so far this year. It's really interesting, if, if I go back to the story about uh, the, the parable that Jesus told about yeast. Now, I don't know if you know this about yeast. Yeast is actually a fungus. 
okay? And not only is it a fungus, but it's an aggressive fungus. It's a, it's a, it's a takeover fungus. What literally happens with yeast, when you, when you pour it into the dough, whatever that yeast touches, it transforms that next molecule. So yeast touches it and it gets transformed and then whatever this molecule touches, it gets transformed and whatever this molecule touches, it gets transformed until it goes all through the dough. All right? And so I, I don't know if Jesus would say this to their face, but really recovered is a aggressive fungus for the kingdom. It really is. It, they're taking over. Jesus is using them to take over lives, communities, and cultures. He's raising up uh, young men who have been trapped in all kinds of addictions to become leaders within the church of Jesus Christ. They now have three young men who are in what the Christian Missionary Alliance calls the LEAD program, where for two years, you know, here, let's be honest, uh, this idea of I come to Christ, I wanna go to ministry, or be involved in ministry, and now I gotta pack it up and go away to some school for four years, uh, that's not practical for everybody. Okay, and you come out of a, a drug culture, an addiction culture, and a lot of times you don't have the resources for that at all. And so we've tried to provide a way for, for people who have a sense of call to ministry to get involved if they want to be part of this kingdom transformation kind of thing going on. And so right now, three young men who have surrendered their life to Jesus have sensed the call to really to be part of kingdom uh, transformation and are now part of LEAD. Last week, literally last week, it was last Tuesday, uh, one of those young men came before a licensing committee in the Christian Missionary Alliance, and of the six guys that went through that day, they said he was the one who displayed the greatest love and commitment to Jesus Christ and understanding of the Word of God. That's crazy when you think about it. Kid, kid was a drug addict just a couple of years ago and has been so radically transformed that we're now saying, Go get them, tiger. The God is using really recovered to transform not just lives, but communities. There now are groups uh, for really recovered in Manaway, uh, 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 Manaway, Mansfield, and Worcester. And all three of those groups are this close to becoming a full-fledged church plant in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. God's taking over. When the king shows up, God takes over and changes things. Lives, communities, and cultures. One of the things that has been on Ken's heart for years, ever since he left Akron, uh, he, he moved here to Wadsworth to try to get some kind of semblance of life back. Uh, but he has always known that God was calling him back to Akron. He said, I don't know how long I'm in Wadsworth, but I got to get to Akron. I know that because that's where I ran the streets. Those are the people that I know need the transformation of Jesus Christ. And he has prayed and longed to get back into Akron. Well, last fall, uh, Ken said, I don't know, man. I think, I think it's getting a little closer. I think, I think my time in Wadsworth may be coming to an end. It might be time for me to get to to Akron, and so uh, he said, uh, I've been um, poking around on the internet trying to find some space in Akron. 
to, to, to do some ministry. And God has given, really recovered a sober-minded house there in Akron that now has 15 beds. Uh, the judicial system in Akron is now sending people from the court system to really recovered sober-minded house because they say they're doing something. I don't know what it is, but when people go there, their lives are transformed. Well, I think we know who's doing that, right? Uh, also last fall, as he was poking around on the internet, he said, hey man, I saw this building that's for sale. Let's go take a look at it. So I'm like, okay, time out. You know, let's just think for a moment. We are working with a group of people who don't have a whole lot of money, right? And you want to go try to buy a building? I mean, that's a little crazy. I'm not going to get in Jesus's way. We'll go look at a building. So we hop in the car, we drive over, and we pull up to what I would probably call, it's not a completely abandoned warehouse, but it might as well be. significantly neglected, bullet holes in the front door kind of thing, weeds all over the place. And, and the guy gets us in and, and we're, we're walking around. He goes, well, I'm thinking about selling the building for $160,000. <laughs> and, and I almost wanted to tap Ken and go, let's go. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is worthless. This is not good use of our time. And we walk around and we're like, okay, look, we're we can't afford 160000 Well, what exactly do you want to do with the building? Well, and so at this point, you got to be a little careful in the world, right? Because the moment they hear something attached to the church, they tend to run in some fashion. But we believe Jesus is up to something in Akron. He wants to see some transformation take place. So, well, we're thinking about planting a church among addicts here in Akron. And the guy said, his facial expression changed, and we thought, oh, yep, just, just shot this one in the head, it's done. And he said, I was part of a church plant in Canton, Ohio. Didn't work out well. And that was about all you had to say with it. About it. I was like, oh, that's not good, that's not good. So he comes back around in the middle of the conversation, walking through the building, and he said, all right, I'll rent it to you, we said, look, we're, we can't buy it. Uh, what would, would you want to rent it? He said, yeah, I'll rent it to you for 1200 a month. Like, what? I'll give you five bucks a month, maybe. I mean, <laughs> there, there's, there's no heat in here. There's no air conditioning in here. The place is a total disaster, and you want 1200 a month? You, you're smoking something wrong, okay? Uh, and so we kind of went through the rest of the conversation and walked away and just kind of thought, all right, that, that one's done. A couple months later, that guy calls Ken and says, hey, do you know this guy and his wife? And Ken says, yeah, I do know that guy and his wife. And Ken says, yeah, we, we helped them find Jesus and we actually dunked them. He goes, yeah. He said, that's my nephew and his wife. He said, I've been thinking a lot about it. Jesus is the Lord of my life. What about 500 a month? Now we're talking. Now we're talking. But the, the, the place is a wreck. He said, I'll fix the building. I'll put heat in. No air conditioning yet. We're still asking Jesus for that. But I'll put some heat in. 
but there's going to be a lot of work that's going to need to be done. We, we, I'll get the materials. Can y'all find the workers? Well, I don't know about that, but we'll, we'll see what Jesus wants to do, right? Now, when you start seeing Jesus do something, you just kind of step out of the way and go, oh, I don't know what he's going to do next, but hot dog, watch what happens, okay? So we, uh, we're praying about this. How do we get the work done? And um, so one of the things that happens in, uh, in the court system is every once in a while they'll hand out a pass, to somebody that, that's in a sober house or something in jail, whatever the case may be. They hand out a pass and say, we're going to give you a, week pa- a weekend pass. Just be careful, but here's your weekend pass. And so one of those weekend passes was handed out to a guy, and, and that guy uh, shows up at a really recovered Sunday morning gathering here in Wadsworth, Ohio, okay? And uh, he... He, he loves what's happening there, and he goes back to the jail. And the jail is literally like a couple blocks away from this barn. No, it's not a barn, but, you know, this building. And uh, he goes back to, to the people in jail. Just see if this sounds a little bit like something that happened in the Old Testament. Uh, and he starts talking to the jailer. And says, hey, I need to tell you about these people I bumped into. Blah, 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 blah. Long story short, the jailer says, hey, listen. Uh, we got some passes that need to go out. How about we give that guy who's an electrician a pass and that guy who's a drywaller for a living a pass and that guy who does, and he start handing out passes to guys who have professional skills in everything that needed to be done inside that building. And they showed up and they've basically knocked the whole thing out. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So, this is way too fun, right? So after the first service, I'm standing over here, and here comes this guy and this lady, and they walk up to me, and they say, hey, you you know that guy that you talked about, talked to the jailer that got everybody out to go help? This is him. And he said, and so right there he is. James, would you stand real quick? Yeah. (laughs) So... Here, here's, here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. We didn't just applaud for James, right? We applauded for the king who has claimed James' life, right? Because Jesus got a hold of a guy and transformed him. And then that guy happened to get some other dudes that helped transform some other kingdom stuff. And the story just rolls on. So here's the point of the story, just in case... We're not following yet. When the king and the kingdom show up, things change, don't they? Things change. Yesterday, a number of you um, went to Cleveland and you helped uh, renew the city, which is part of Envision, uh, a, a day-long event uh, and you worked in um, the Mount Pleasant neighborhood. How many, how many people went and did that? Okay. Hey, listen. On behalf of Envision, thank you. Yeah. Wadsworth, Wadsworth kills it when it comes to supporting Envision. And I want to just say thank you for that. Thank you for investing uh, almost everything you've got, time, talent, and treasure 
Uh, and, and, and so I don't know what Jesus is going to do in the Mount Pleasant neighborhood. Uh, but what I do know is that a whole bunch of kingdom people just came and stood on the edge of that neighborhood and started to do some stuff. That story's yet to be told. Okay? But what I do want to tell you is about the story about what's happening down the hill from Mount Pleasant and across Euclid, across Chester. There's a neighborhood called Huff. Now, if you're a little bit older uh, in here, you may remember that back in the 60s, uh, there was this thing that went down called the Huff Riots. And in the Huff Riots, uh, there were a number of people that were killed in that neighborhood. Uh, there were uh, a whole lot of people that were hurt in that neighborhood. And there were hundreds upon hundreds of arrests that took place in that neighborhood. That neighborhood has never been the same since the Huff Riots. Uh, prior to, well, let me, let me just do this. Let me, I put my glasses on so I don't mess up these stats. Uh, I'm gonna give you some stats from 1966 when the riots went on to today, just to, to paint the picture of what's going on in, in the Huff neighborhood. 1966, there were 66,000 people who lived in the neighborhood. Now, just in case we, we'll just get some geographical barriers here, right? Huff is a neighborhood that is about two to three square miles large. That's, that's all the larger it is, okay? 66,000 people lived in that two to three square mile section called the Huff neighborhood in 1966. In 2019, there are 16,000 people that live in the neighborhood. In 66, there were 23,000 houses in the neighborhood. In 2019, there are 8,400 houses in the neighborhood. Most of you would not drive through Huff if you knew where you were driving. Uh, it's right next to the Cleveland Clinic. You drift a, one or two streets north of the Cleveland Clinic, and you're in the Huff neighborhood. I was with my in-laws. We had gone to the museums right there at University Circle. I made a wrong turn, and my mother-in-law tripped out on me. She locked the doors. She, you know, it, it, is not a, it is not a place people just go, okay? Even people in Cleveland don't go to Huff. Um, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, People don't go to Huff. It's just, if you're not from Huff, stay out of Huff, is the idea. Uh, before World War I, Huff was the neighborhood where some of the wealthiest people in Cleveland, which then means some of the wealthiest people in the United States, lived before World War I. Okay? Today, the median income of the Huff neighborhood is 13000 a year. Stop and think about that for a moment. That's just a tad over a thousand a month that people are living on or trying to live on or not living on actually. Nine years ago, there was an African-American guy, young guy whose background was horrific. You, you put all of the story together in your mind and that was him. Nine years ago, he was sitting in jail looking at a five-year sentence for one particular thing that he had done, but he had a rap list that included 
uh, drug trafficking. He ran a prostitution ring. He was involved in leading gangs on the street. Uh, he, he had done violent crimes. You, you name it, he had been involved in it. Nine years ago in a jail cell in Cleveland, Ohio, the king and his kingdom showed up in that jail cell and his life was transformed. And at that point, he began to say, okay, look, if that's, what, if that's who this guy is, I surrender and I'll do whatever I need to do. So he's been, he's been living and working in the midst of the church for a number of years ago. He's one of those guys that, when you, like, so when I bumped into him about five years ago, I looked at him and went, he's a church planter. I mean, I, and I told him that. He said, you're crazy. I'm never planting a church. You know. Well, last year, he finally came around. He said, I think I'm supposed to plant a church. Well, where are we doing that? I don't know, but we're planting a church. All right, let's figure it out. So we drove Akron, and we drove Cleveland, and, and, and we looked, and, and we did all the things that were necessary, just saying, Jesus, where do you want Leonard and Dee to go to plant a church? Leonard lives in a first-tier suburb of Cleveland, Ohio right now. Last month, he put his house on the market and is moving to the Huff neighborhood. Where everybody is running from, he's running to. And he's recruiting a group of people to go with him, to go run the streets that he once ran. I don't know. I don't know what that story's gonna look like when it's all said and done but I got an idea. I got an idea because here's what we know. When the king and the kingdom show up, things change. So, let's ask this question. Where are you and I in this story? Where, where, talk to me, where are we? Who, what role do we play in this? No, specifically, like, look at this. What, what role do we play? Yeah, we're this thing, aren't we? We're, we're this plastic tube. And the tr- I don't want to bust any bubbles today, but the truth is, is you're just a worthless piece of plastic. But in the hands of the king, something just changed, right? You went from being worthless plastic to now you are actually a conduit of the kingdom. You know what a conduit is, right? Conduit something that's filled with something that's supposed to go somewhere else. You are a conduit of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You're a conduit of the kingdom to your workplace. You're a conduit of your kingdom to your neighborhood. You're a conduit of, your king, of the kingdom to your school. You, wherever you go, you're a conduit of the kingdom. And you got options today, right? Whole lot of people do this. Yeah, okay, I hear what I am, and I actually probably would agree with that but I don't want anybody else outside these walls to know that. So we hide it, right? Some of us may go, yeah, that's a good idea. I can even see that in scripture. I I like the stories, but I got other things I need to be doing and we neglect it. But some of us are saying, really? Really? Could, Could... Could Jesus take somebody like me, a worthless piece of plastic, 
and allow me to be part of something transformational? See, here, here's the danger. I tell these stories and you go, well, yeah, okay, that's Peru, I get it. Things happen other places. And that's like a culture, really recovers part of a culture. I, I just don't do that, that's not me. And Huff, I'd get shot the second I walk in. And, and we kind of go, well, those are nice stories, great, good, good for them, go get them, we'll pray for them. Here's the thing, Jesus is not done telling stories. He's not done telling stories in Wadsworth High School. He's not done telling stories in Wadsworth, Ohio, or Barberton, or wherever y'all are from. He's not done telling stories in Babcock and Wilcox, is that right? I don't know, nuclear scientist guy. Uh, he's, not, he's not done telling stories. What he's after is somebody who's willing to simply say, I'll be a conduit, I'll be a conduit. Wherever, you want, wherever I go, I'm gonna be a conduit for you. Listen, I, I don't know about you, I like telling stories, but I wanna be part of the story, right? I, I wanna be part of, I wanna be part of something that just makes you kinda stand back and go, wow. Uh, that's amazing, things literally transformed. I wanna, I wanna get to be part of that kind of stuff. And I bet that's true of some of you. Now. Got to walk out of here in just a minute. If, if we're not careful, we walk out going, okay, I got to try harder. Right? I got to try to be a better conduit. You know, and was, no. Uh, right before Jesus left the planet, he got the disciples together. He says, listen, I'm going to give you a secret. I'm going to give you the secret to conduit life. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he told the disciples this. When the Holy Spirit comes you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Uh, just in case you need a translation on that. Here, here's the way it sh works. When the Holy Spirit shows up in, on you, you're gonna, things are gonna change and you're not gonna be able to shut up. When the Holy Spirit shows up on you, things are gonna change and you're gonna become a kingdom fungus. Everything you touch pretty quick is gonna start getting transformed. So the answer isn't go try harder, get trained better, whatever. The answer is the Holy Spirit showing up. And so here's how we're gonna spend our last couple minutes together. We're just gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come and do whatever he needs to do in order for us to be part of his story. Thank mm -hmm. you.